Welcome to Off the Bench with Danny Cannell. Raja Bell. It's all the future of football right before your eyes. Just yell it out, man. He can't guard me. All right, welcome to Off the Bench, Danny Cannell and Raja Bell. We uh, hope everybody had a fantastic weekend. Yeah. The NBA Finals wrapped up. We're going to break that down. Um, there is a new athlete rapper combo oh. that are in the studio working on something. So okay. we're going to on that, up to date on that. There's also another celebrity athlete couple that is back together. Uh. Hannah was all over the story, but that's the type all of done, Hannah. right here. Um, so we're going to get to all that. This thing is really messing with my memory. All right, yeah, the, <laughs> the IFB is really yeah, IFB is off. messing with both of us. Um, are people things? Yeah. Are people things? Uh, people are... Yeah, absolutely. We're you would think, right? Yeah. So a school thing, like pronouns. Game night last night. Okay. Game night uh, at my sister's house, and we're playing categories. And the question, it was the letter was P, and the category was things that you might find in a park. And I put people, and it was voted. My brother-in-law voted it down. In full disclosure, there's a little competition there. I think he wanted to beat me, but he voted it down, which brought me to a larger conversation. How could people not be things, right? Like we're right. We're, we're here. Right. We're, organisms Absolutely. are things. There are things you would see in a park. So then my mom took me to like, well, when you teach in school, you teach kids people, places, and things. So we're not a thing. Uh, it's, it's just a lot. I mean, <laughs> trust me, I didn't sleep last night. I just said I didn't sleep. It was over this people, places, and things bullcrap. It sounds more like it was about the competitive nature of the game than it actually is about things in a park. Trust me, Scrabble, whatever the game is, Pictionary, I'm fighting. I'm going down. To we played Pictionary first. We lost on the last all play. Oh, so that it was a rough night. It was a good, yeah, it was a tough night. All right. It was I did wins categories, though. There you go. I won. I won. All right, nice. Congrats on that. Thank you. Uh, it was a... Uh, a good weekend for the Warriors, not so much for the Cavs as yep. there was, they had their, but I'm sure they had some <laughs> trouble sleeping this weekend as well. Uh, pretty much the season played out as we thought it would. The NBA champion was crowned as we thought it would. What was your reaction Friday night when you saw the game? It, I thought it was just a whimper of a finish in the NBA season, but what were you thinking when you watched that go down? I thought it was pretty sad the way that, that, uh, you know, and now at the time I didn't have the backstory, which I'm sure we're going to get into in a minute, but I thought just watching it with my eyes, it reminded me, Le- LeBron had reminded me in that game of a game that I played against Kobe where Phil Jackson had gotten to Kobe's head about shooting too much. And he came out in the second half and while I was guarding him, I, you know, I said to myself, man, he doesn't feel like he's playing like he normally plays. Like he's not shooting these shots. You're used to him shooting a lot of shots, a high volume. And in this particular game, while it was happening, I didn't know what had happened, but it was clear that he wasn't doing his normal thing. Like he right. was pass overpassing, if you will. Yes. That's what I saw LeBron doing in that game. And I kept saying it to my son who was watching it with me. I was like, wow, he like he's not even trying to score the ball. It's almost like he's making a point of just passing it every time he gets it instead of attacking, because there was still a little bit of a chance that you win the game. It is the NBA finals. Um, but that's kind of what I took away from it. It was it looked like LeBron had kind of shut it down mentally and physically, and he was just going to make plays for other people. And he wasn't even making them anymore. He was just getting off the ball. All right. So you thought that. Yeah. I thought that. I was getting irritated. I'm like, oh, he shut it down. Turns out there may have been an excuse for that. Right. Because after the game, LeBron is doing his post-game presser and reveals that he's been, his diagnosis, playing with what's most likely a broken hand. It's not a broken hand, bro. Here's LeBron uh, after the game talking about his injury. What happened? Uh, Self-inflicted. Post-game after game one. Uh, Very emotional. 
for a lot of different reasons, understanding how important a game one is on the road for our ball club. Um, what would that done for us? Um, you know, um, the way we played, the calls that was made throughout the course of that game. And I had emotions on, you know, the game was taken away from us. I had emotions of um, you just don't get an opportunity like this on the road versus Golden State to be able to get a game one. And, um, you know, I let the emotions get the best of me and pretty much played the last three games with a broken hand. So that's, that's what it is. I agree with everything he said. I mean, the calls were butchered in game one. You don't get that many opportunities to to steal a game on a home court. And you, when you do, you have to do it. Like, I've alluded to all of that. So I've got no beef with any of that. The emotions getting the best of you. Look, I had situations where I lost my stuff, like, and tried to punt a basketball because something wasn't going well and almost broke my foot in half because and, – and Mike D'Antoni and them were wondering if I can play. Like, I put myself in that very precarious situation of, of injuring yourself because you're angry. All of that being said, I wouldn't come up after a poor performance – and then wear a, a brace on my foot. Do you understand what I'm saying? Like yes. that part I didn't love. I didn't love that you came out there with the soft cast after you guys got drilled and you lost 4-0. If, if your hand was genuinely hurt, which I don't doubt that it is, like that'll come out eventually. There's no need for you to really come up there with the, with the hand brace at the post game press conference, in my opinion. Like that I didn't love. All the rest of it, like I hear you, man. Yeah. He had a legit beef with everything he said. I am, I felt like he could not wait. To tell everyone like he just, that he'd been yeah. playing with a broken hand. That, like bo- that bothered me. That it bothered, bothered me, as well. me too yeah. when he was doing it. That being said, do you think he had an excuse to shut it down? Because it happened in game well, one. You didn't see his effort go down in games two. And I, three, did. You saw I did. I did. I did. I saw. I what sh- gave you like, what did you see when you were watching? Well, I kept coming in and saying like, I need him to be the best player on the planet. And I was saying like, I don't need him to like make every shot, but I need him to be in straight attack mode, sledding downhill. And I felt like throughout the series after game one, he did way too much of not attacking the rim to get himself a bucket. And you could hurt, you could hear Stan Van Gundy, I mean, uh, Jeff Van Gundy throughout the series say, you know, when he gets Steph on him, he's got to attack the rim. He just looks like he's playing to make the pass, not playing to make the bucket. And that's what I, that's what I saw. I saw it from game two all the way through game four. And I would say it on my couch and I'd say it to like my buddies who train basketball players. Like he doesn't look like he is in attack mode to just at all costs. I'm going to win this game if I have to. It, the mentality had changed more to a passing mentality, which goes hand in hand. Like it ver- it validates what he's saying in my mind. There had to be something more to it. He's too good of a player. He's a champion. Like, and I know he's a competitor. He might not be an assassin, if you will, like Mike and Kobe, but he is as competitive as there is out there. So it makes sense to me that there was something going on. I don't know the severity of it, but it makes sense. I like LeBron. Like I, I'm a LeBron fan. Now I'm an MJ guy, so if you ask me that, I would sure. say MJ. But I like him. But there is a lot of things that he does that I don't like. And this would fall in that category. And there's a lot of people crushing him because there's a video of him after, like, fist bumping, pounding his boys as he's walking off the court. And it's after game four, after they get swept. And they're like, what happens? How can he do that? I'm not going to crush him over that and say that diminishes the severity of the injury. But I also saw him in game three when he tossed it off the glass and then took it and threw it down. Like, it didn't look like there was any problem then. Again, it goes back to everybody's playing hurt, especially at this point in the season when you're in the NBA Finals. There are different injuries. Some are more strenuous, more hurtful, more impactful than others. I don't know that. It obviously had some you know, impact on his level of play, but I thought you definitely saw a resignation throughout games two, three, and four 
that mentally he was, all right, I can't do what I did in game one. Now, maybe it's because of the wrist or hand. I don't, I, that's you know, for me, I don't know. And I don't want to judge somebody like that, but I did not love the way it was handled. There, well, I agree with you. Like, I, I thought it, you know, it could have been handled a lot better. But when I'm looking at the stats up there and he, he, you know, the points, the 51 points in game one versus 28.3 in the rest of the games and rebounds are relatively the same. Dramatic drop off. But it, this is where it's the field goal percentage. Now, you could make a case for twos. Like, he was 59.3 in game one and 49.2 in games through two, four. That could have had something to do with the, with the defense. Yeah. Um, but it's the threes that stick out to me. He was 42.9% in game one, which I don't know what he was for the rest of the playoffs, but I imagine he was close to that. He was really shooting the ball well. And the rest of the games, two through four, he was 27.3 from three. That's where I think that hand hurts you. Maybe it's a wrist. Maybe it's something where you just can't get the snap on it because not only was he not shooting it, I mean, not making it, yeah. but he wasn't shooting it. He wasn't. And he had been using it as a weapon through the first few rounds of the series. He was, through the playoffs, he was looking for the three. He really is left-hand dominant. He's a guy that if you watch him and you force him right, he kind of paws at his right hand. He doesn't really want to go. Mm -hmm. If you let him get to that left, He's really a freight train coming downhill. And he sets that up now with a nice little, you know, step back to a three, which he was making, uh, proficiently. And he stopped shooting it. And, and that's what my eyeballs were telling me was wrong. Like he's not shooting shots he normally shots. Not, not the making, not the attacking the rim all the time, although I believed he needed to do more of that. But there were a lot of shots out there on the table that he just wasn't shooting. And that, for me, I, I can't believe that it was just him checking out. I just, I don't want to believe that. Right. And he's, I, for me, that's one thing I've admired about him is that killer instinct. He doesn't want to go down without a fight. He's usually going to put that up there. We have seen it a couple of times though. The Celtics, the first time around yeah. the Cavs a few years ago, Dallas in the, in the finals. I don't think that's what this was. I think this was, I think he's at a, a point now in his career where he's not going to go down without a fight. I think right. he was impacted by the injury. You mentioned the stat, uh, he was 34% in the postseason up to that one. So a seven point drop down to 27%. Okay. Obviously something was going on. Uh, for him as well. All right. So the, the bit, one of the things I was watching for in game four was would, would there be a surprise in the finals MVP? Who got it? Right. Because I think everybody thought it was a wrap when KD in game three went off, had his signature performance. Uh, and then it was that game two, game two, game two when he went off set up, he's locked it up. I thought it was close. I thought Steph Curry still is kind of under no game three. I'm sorry. You're right. You're correct. You're correct. I think it's still overlooked like Steph Curry's success and what he means to that. But if you're going to go out there and give it to KD, I have no problem with that. Yeah, I thought they got it right. Yeah, you do. I do. Yeah, I thought they, like, I, I, and I know Steph's performance was remarkable, specifically game two, um, when he had the nine threes. Um, it's not to take anything away from him. Uh, this, the stats, you know, 27 and a half for Steph, 28.8 for, for KD, six rebounds, 10.8 for KD, seven assists for Steph, 7.5 for KD. Uh, field goal percentage is a huge difference. 40% Steph, 52% KD. So like those numbers, you can argue them all you want. What what I say in the playoff games um, is there's one guy who you can put a saddle on his back, give him the ball, and say, take me home. I don't care what they're doing defensively. You know, I don't care what the situation is. We need a bucket. Go get it. And that's Kevin Durant. They're, don't you think it's also Steph Curry? I do not. You don't think he can say no. he can be the guy to say I'll get No, I, I do. I no, I, I but he, on their team if they're going to go to somebody. You're saying I think it's it's exponentially easier to shut down Steph. If I have one of you, if I've got one concern on the court, and now I know they're not built like that, so this is like in a vacuum, but if you have Steph Curry and I've got a game plan against Steph Curry and we got to take Steph Curry off of what he likes to do, I'm pretty confident I could do that. Mm -hmm. With a 6'11 guy that can handle the ball and shoot from 30-some feet away, like you're bigger, stronger, faster, 
it's much harder to, to game plan for that. And so, again, you could see when when the Cavs played the Warriors in previous playoff uh, in, in previous finals, there were times where like Matthew Dellavedova gave Steph Curry a rough time. Yeah. got up in him, jammed him, was physical with him. Cheap little son. Of yeah, he said <laughs> he hate him when he's when he's not on your team. Love right. him when he is on your team. Um, you know they ran him high hands off the three point line. Some of the bigs made it tough for him to finish. Uh, Houston had some success with that. Clint Capella switching on him. They didn't help off the shooters. Clint affected his shot at the rim. Steph's remarkable. One of the top three point guards in the league. I don't mean to take anything away from him, but Kevin Durant. That's a different animal. So KD was asked about getting the finals MVP and said it doesn't matter to him. So hear what he said. Does it? Does it? We won two champs. We just won back to back. I don't, I don't think nobody even worried about that type of stuff. Uh, I'm glad that we came out and played a great game tonight. Was able to finish the series off. Um, that's the only thing that matters though. All right, I would challenge him and say, all right, if it doesn't matter to you, like all these things, like he's a guy who left OKC to go get rings for his legacy yeah. because he wanted to change the rea- the perception of him. I think it does matter to him. And I don't even have a problem with that. Like if you say you want to get the MVP, but I think he's lying to say it doesn't matter who gets it. Well, I think he has to say that. Yes, um, so the, to be the, the team guy. Yeah, the only thing that can affect this thing now is with whether egos get involved or not. Like when it comes time to like, you know, people getting paid and people getting the shine, like that's the one thing, that's the hurdle that they're going to have to, to, to navigate. These other teams are going to try to stack up. There may be somebody who pops up that can push them. Um, but really it's going to be in house. And so him getting up on that mic and putting that to bed like that, whether he meant it or not, you had to do that. And I would like, look, Steph, take this shit. Take right. this MVP, bro. You right. were, I like seriously straight up gesture. Hey, look, I look, I, they gave it to me, bro. You could have very easily won this. I got one. Here you go. This is yours. Like gestures like that. I, don't, I think he he may care that he was contributing to that, but at the end of the day, I don't know that he really necessarily cares that he won that MVP. I thought that was kind of genuine. I thought, you know, I heard people in the media beefing about the way he talked to a reporter. I loved it. <laughs> like, dude, don't try to fracture my locker room. We just won a damn championship. Back that up. You know what I mean? Like, my Isn't man. Is that the reporter's job, though, to that, come no, there, at least try to ask him about that? Or you think he was baiting him? I don't think that's his job. A lot of times I, I don't, I, media baits get there. They want to get the sound bite yeah. that gets the click. Your job is to ask a question. Yeah. Not one that's going to try to fracture my locker room immediately after I won a championship. And that's exactly what that question would have done. All right. So, if, so if egos are going to tear this thing apart, I think that is the biggest threat to this one. It does have you asking the question right now, like, where does this dynasty stand in the greater, you know, scheme of things in the NBA history? Because they're starting to approach that three out of Four sure. titles. They're adding to it. They have a lot of guys intact uh, contractually. Where's the rank for you? Oh man, so this was a tough one. And I guess I, I'd have to ask. You're asking me like in terms of dominant like dynasty teams, not like who's the best team of all time, right? You're talking about most impressive dynasties. Yes. All right. So if you're asking I think that there are question, two very specific questions. Because right, I, but see, I think it's. The thing that's hard to judge the Warriors against the greatest dynasties of all time, like the Bulls of 95 to 98 when they had six titles in eight years, uh, the Lakers, you know, the Showtime Lakers, is that the Warriors, and it's kind of like the LeBron MJ, they're still adding to theirs. They're not done. They're not a finished product. Right. Correct. So the, the, I mean. So I think they're approaching some of these teams that just have simply more hardware and they'll probably get there. But I think the better debate, this is what I'm going to ask you, how do they stack up as a team? 
Like if you oh. had a seven game series yeah. them against the nineties Bulls, if you had them against the Showtime Lakers, if you had them all right. against Well, the- I didn't prepare for that, damn it, because <laughs> I thought it was all right, so let me I'll do both then. Okay. You're asking me the most in terms of dominant dynasties, yep. the Celtics those Celtics of the fifties and sixties, like that's eleven titles in thirteen years. Right. right? They're like, almost a different that that like I hate No, but you're just talking about purely domination of of like right. whatever like you can't hold it against them that there were only like 14 teams in the NBA at the time. Right. They were only playing who they could play. Right. So uh, I'm going to say them in terms of just pure dominance, right? My number 2 team would be the Bulls like 6 and 8 years, right? Yeah. MJ. My number 3 teams would be that those 80 Lakers, five titles in the 80s, they went to 8 out of 10, you know, finals in in, in those in that span of years. Now Golden State is catching them in my mind. Right. This is where you talk about like their work's not done yet. They've passed the 80 Celtics. So Golden State is number four. And then those 80 Celtics teams, because they won three in a six year span and they went to four straight finals like Golden State, they're number five. And then we'll go down the list. So that's where they stack up four and on the rise for me in terms of impressive dynasties. And in terms of team strength, like if you matched all of those up where they would stack up, they could very easily be number one. Number two, I would think them and the Bulls right. have one hell of a series. Um, they may be more loaded than the Bulls in terms Heck, of talent. I think they are too. Top end, but a you lot know, of it would be predicated on what rules they let them play absolutely. under. Absolutely. You know, you rough them up, Can right? Hand check them. Can you play with the rules of the nineties or are you playing in today's, you know, more finesse style NBA? Cause I think that is a huge difference. But what, what, you know what? I'm going to take Golden State. I'll take Golden All State. All time. Yeah. And, and here's why. Um, I don't, I still love the Bulls. I revered the Bulls teams. I was, sure. I grew up in the M- MJ era. So like, but when you're trading threes for twos and that triangle offense produced a lot of twos from MJ over the shoulder, you know, shimmy shake, bah, like it produced a lot of twos, a lot of mid range jump shots. Analytically speaking, when you got four or five guys that are towed the to three point line and they're just going to keep jacking it up. If they get hot, there's nothing the Bulls teams can do about that. Mm-hmm. It's just not. Their offense wasn't built that way. They had Steve Kerr. He shot, he shot threes right. occasionally. Like he, if you look at his numbers, like he didn't even shoot a whole, whole lot of threes. Um, they're just going to blow them out of the water in terms of amount of threes and pressure that they put on that Bulls team, in my opinion. So if you look at the dynasty for Golden State, we're just, they're still adding their hard, hardware. How long can this thing keep going? Like how long can they keep everybody happy ego wise? Yeah. Actually, because there's a lot of money. Guys are going to say, Hey, where's mine in this piece of the puzzle? And they, I think they have another year for sure. Yes. Like they'll be together intact for one more year. And I think then after that, it's like, uh oh, what are you going to do to keep all these guys together? So Kevin Durant is going to resign. He, yep. he can be, he, he can opt out can and then imagine he'll resign. Imagine that he would take if he left to go somewhere that, like I, if he went, if he did a LeBron, he's not going back to, is there anywhere he could go where he would, no, his his, his reputation can't take no. that. And unless unless he said, "Yo, I got to now, let me go build something somewhere." Right. If he went somewhere and said, "I'm going to build," that entice him? I don't think so. He's right. having fun, man. These guys are winning championships. <laughs> right. They're winning like this is. But this I'll is say easy this. work right now. I say this because I, you know, we're going to get into the caps, uh, the Capitals celebration. Yeah. And look how crazy they were. When I was watching the Warriors, I legitimately was wondering: Is it as satisfying to win this way? When you're so much better than no everybody. No doubt. Come on, Bro, stop. I don't think it's as satisfying <laughs> as if you had a seven-game series and you got punched in the mouth repeatedly and you answered that. So you're I saying a, while, while they're sitting in their locker with the ski goggles and the bottle of Moet, it's great in, in the moment. back of their mind, they're thinking, damn, this is not as satisfying no, as if we – I'm thinking they're thinking – like the they won last year after they just come off a loss, right? And it's a little it still wasn't that competitive. I'm thinking that's what the more challenging he is, the more satisfying it is. And I don't think it was that challenging for them. 
I think that's like when, I still think they're going to wear that ring and they're going to have some fun. They're going to have a good time. I think when they're 50 and they're all sitting back like reminiscing about it, it maybe matter. then it's sad. But it might be they might say, hey, yeah, number two was more satisfying than number yeah, three. Absolutely. But like right now in the moment, nah, dog. He's just he's just like <laughs> loving to win championships. So I imagine like through through they got everybody locked up. Steph's locked up through 2022. Draymond 2020. Iguodala 2020. Sean Livingston 2020. You'll have Clay lock. Clay is the wild card. Yep. And I think Clay will take what he needs to take, provided it's not like a, like 50%. I think he'll take it to stay. So I imagine that that's two more years. And then in 2020, when all of these guys come up again, like then you're going to have some issues. You'll probably see some things start to fall apart. So that's a, uh, a window of like two, maybe three years. Uh, and, but you know, they got to figure out that bench situation too, but it's not critical. Uh, it's going to be interesting to watch and we're going to have all summer to see what teams can mount up a challenge to them because that's the thing. Unless there's significant changes in the landscape in the NBA, the Warriors are going to have a waltz to the finals yeah. and they're probably going to win every time anyways, as long as they keep that team intact. All right. You have to see it. Just talked about Alex Ovechkin, the Caps, their celebration. All right. You have to see this. You said you didn't see it yet. I haven't seen it yet. Uh, you, everybody in DC has seen it. Everybody on Twitter has seen it. So here's Alex Ovechkin. Going nuts with the, uh, with the Stanley Cup. I would be doing this too. So he threw out the first pitch at the Nationals game. That's a great start. So you know <laughs> yeah. he's day drinking right off right, the Right, right, yeah. He's right? already lit. Gives it a kip. So then you get the little keg stand out of the cup. This is with the fans. Like this is out in the streets. Oh, he's getting it in. I hear. Okay. <laughs> yeah. I mean, that face speaks volume. Right. <laughs> like that's, that's having a good time. And that's still early. Like it goes on throughout the night. There is. Is there it a fountain? fountain? Yeah. Public fountains. Let's go swimming. Why not? All the boys Dude, loving the life. there, outstanding. Like I, I know I had a good time partying just when the season ended. Yeah, I can't imagine partying with the championship trophy in your hand. That's, That's straight joy, be an epic party. Yeah, him and his boys, it was great. I mean, people were taking photos of them all around DC. They were, it was like a, they were basically like on a pub crawl just with the Stanley Cup for days. Yeah, just Fantastic. keep it going. Uh, there was also, so that was the wild and nutty part of it. There was also a pretty emotional moment when you heard, uh, TJ Oshie talking about his dad watching the game. Right. Uh, his dad suffering from Alzheimer's. I teared up the first time. I think I'll be okay because I heard it again, but listen to TJ Oshie, uh, after the winning the Santa Cup. You have to hear it. My dad, uh, oh boy. He doesn't, uh, he doesn't remember, uh, a lot of stuff, uh, these days. Um, he remembers enough, but I tell you what, he's here tonight. I don't know where he's at, but, uh, this one will stick with him forever. You can guarantee that. Pretty cool stuff right there. Like, yeah. to that. And you think about like me now as a father, yep. and, like watching and seeing like all the work and appreciating more what my dad did for me. Sure. Like as a parent, you appreciate it from a different type of level. Like watching that was like, that's kind of like, that's what sports are about. That's what being a parent's all about. Sure. So it's pretty cool to see. Um, I imagine his dad made a lot of sacrifices. Like that hockey is a grind. Oh yeah. Like getting those kids and stuff. It's an expensive sport. Um, I always felt like the coolest moments when anyone ever asked me about like my favorite moments in the NBA, they were all games where my family was there, right? They were all games where I could look over and see like my mom and dad and, 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 um, because that's what, that's what, you know, that's what our family was about. Like, you know what I mean? It's what we, it's what my sister and I spent our, our young years doing. So like, shout out to TJ for thinking about your dad in a moment like that. Cause I know a lot of cats that, that wouldn't have family on mind. You right. know what I mean? But dudes that are like that, like 
I get down with them because that's that's kind of like you know the way we get down. Yeah, for you sure. Know? Read and react. Let's do a little read and react. I'm going to give you a CBSSports.com headline, and you're going to tell me what you think. All right. Yep. Dustin Johnson earns huge U.S. Open momentum with win in Memphis. This was a crazy finish. He recaptured his number one world ranking. Yeah. Justin Thomas. You didn't see it. We were watching before the show. We were watching some highlights. DJ knocks it in from the fairway. Straight mic drop moment. That, was, that, that is, you talk about momentum builder. Like yeah. that is the definition of it. The thing though that I think is the problem with it, it's really hard to go back to back. Like again, yeah. it's like if you're looking for somebody to bet on, I wouldn't touch him from a value standpoint, but I think I absolutely think he could win the U.S. Open. Clearly, he's, he's got that type of length. He's got that type of game, but it's hard to keep that momentum going and carrying that consistency into Shinnecock. Um, my immediate reaction is, what the hell do we know? Because we both we had an opportunity to take him, and we both said no. That's he true. wasn't going to win. Yeah, like it was right in our lap. We're like nah. Um, what a what a what a walk off. But he, you know, he's a different kind of dude for me, man. Like he's kind of like Tiger, where. When he puts it together, it looks so nasty that he just runs away from people. Um, and Shinnecock, you're going to have to be long and he's relatively accurate with that. But I mean, I, yeah. I'll give him a shot at, at, at the, I mean, you just said it, but I right. think he could, I think if anyone could turn around and go back to back, it's a dude like him. Cause when he gets, when he gets hot, it's ridiculous. I'm going to say this as nicely as possible. I don't think he's the brightest dude out there. I mean, obviously he's made some career, like not career, like in, in, in match decisions yeah. that have proven that out when sure. he played from the bunker, uh, at whistling straight. Yeah. That was an major. open. He yeah. also had a three putt. Was that an open or a PGA? What was that? It might have been PGA. You PGA, might be right. PGA. There was also the open out in, uh, Seattle's Bay. Yeah. Remember that when he had the three putt? Yeah. Like, and that was like, that was well, how brutal. Can you do that? Yeah. yeah. But again, not the brightest cat, like just, isn't aware of like, cause I don't, who cares? Like, I don't like just, just it let it go water off his back. Maybe yeah. it's the same way with him when you're looking at going back to back in tournaments too. All right. Next headline. Nadal like LeBron on clay. Some clickbait right there. Yeah. Uh, so Rafa Nadal goes out, wins his 11th French open on Sunday. You were a tennis guy. You played tennis yeah. when you were young. He's 11 and O in the French open final in his career. Undefeated, never been beaten on that red clay. It's unreal. Like that's it, it's uh, it really is unreal. But you know, I watch him play Juan Martin Del Potro like in the semis, yep. and um, he just gets everything on that clay. You know, he's so in shape and he's so quick that you know the reason he can't win on those other surfaces like that. Like how many wins he's got? Uh, six. I mean, he can win on other uh, other surfaces. He has six. But but at Roland Garros, that ball good. hopping off that clay is that much slower, mm-hmm. and and. He just gets to every damn ball. Like Del Potro was like lasering some forehands in the first set. Then his heart was taken after that. But Nadal gets to everything. Like it's, it's, it's incredible. The fitness level that he's got to be in and then matching like what is obviously like a fantastic skill set. Yep. Um, it's, a, it's, it's really cool to watch. There's a time and it was probably three or four or five years ago. There was a big argument about, uh, Roger Federer or Rafa Nadal. Like who's the goat? Who's yeah. going to be until you show a little bit more. Dominance on yeah. other surfaces, it's Federer all day long. And yeah. I don't think it's even close. But the head to head matchup, Rafa wins that. So I think it's I think it's an interesting debate though. But again, they have to finish it out, see what they do. But yeah. to me it's Federer. All right, next headline. Earl Thomas holding out in search of new contract. So Seattle uh, Seahawks safety. He's heading into the final season uh of his four year forty million dollar deal with the Seahawks. He's age twenty nine, he's yeah. a five time all pro guy, he's a leader on them. Put out a message on Twitter, said he will not be attending upcoming minicamp or any team activities until my contract situation is 
Resolved, uh, Thomas said. I want everyone, especially the 12s, to know that I will remain a Seahawk the rest of my career. But I also believe that based on my production of the last eight years, that I've earned the right to uh, have this taken care of as soon as possible. I hope my teammates understand where I'm coming from. I believe this is the right thing to do. Trust me, Earl Thomas, your teammates will have no problem with this. The big question is, will the Seahawks, will they do what is right in a game where a lot of your success as a team is determined on how you manage the salary cap? Yeah. Like, like I know beef with you, uh, getting your money, Earl Thomas. You deserve it. Unfortunately, the NFL is not like the NBA usually pays you for what you've done already. Right. Like the NFL, they keep you because of the flexibility of, of the contracts and stuff, bro. Good luck with that. I hope he gets his mom always pulling for a dude to get his money because he's outlived that. He's outlived the salary that he's earned. Yep. The last few years, but unfortunately in the NFL, also for him, and this is the hardest part to deal with. He wants some security. Like he even referenced, he's like, I want to know where I'm going to be in three to four years, not just this year. And it is no fun living in a situation where you're going, where you have one year and you're like, I don't know what the future holds. In a game where yeah. injuries happen all the time, career, you want some, a little bit more. You don't want to have security. to play for your supper all the time. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, so I think he has a pretty good place of leverage because they don't have Michael Bennett, because they don't have Richard Sherman. Like he's, one of the original voices of Legion of Boom mm-hmm. that they're going to need. And he's, I think he's as, as critical to that defense as anybody else that's on it. Uh, so I think they'll get it done. All right, let's move it on with some little uh, overreaction or proper reaction. Overreaction or proper reaction. All right, this is one of my favorites because I think we overreact all the time to stories that are out there. All right, LeBron James can't stay with the Cavs. That's a very popular sentiment after watching them get swept. He cannot. He can't stay. Like right. that's the reaction. He can't. He can't stay there. That's awful. They have no chance. That's an overreaction. Um, Even th- as bad as it was. No, I'm not. This has nothing to do with basketball. Okay. It's his home. He's from Akron. His son, uh, Bron, Bronny, they call him, yep. is about to go to high school. I think he's about to be a freshman. He he may want him to go to St. Vincent. Like the from from a basketball perspective, I could I could understand the argument. I don't know what Kobe Altman and staff can do there. They're very creative in terms of you know, manipulating the cap and, and trading assets. But the overreaction for me would be like leaving home is different than anything else. And I could very easily see him figuring out a way to stay there and putting his family first. I don't know that he does that, but I think the fact that he has to leave and that that's your statement, it's an overreaction. I've felt this way uh, pretty much throughout. Uh, first, let's hear LeBron. Let's hear what he says. Let's hear from the horse's mouth first. I mean, I have no idea at this point. Um, you know, the one thing that I've always done, um, it's, it's considered, you know, obviously my, my family understanding, you know, especially where my boys are at this point in their age. Um, they were a lot younger. The last time I made a decision like this four years ago, you know, I got a teenage boy, a preteen and a little girl right now that wasn't around as well. Um, so, you know, sitting down and, and, and considering everything, you know, but, you know, my family is, is a huge part of whatever I've decided to do. I'm in my career, and they will continue to be that. So I, I don't have an answer for you right now as far as that. I believe him. I think because there are a lot of people that wrote it off, said, oh, you could see the body language. You could see him not giving as much effort, regardless yeah. of what you think of the hand injury or not. I believe him. I think he's going to he's gonna listen to everybody's offers. He's going to say, hey, Kobe Altman, what what can you do? Right. Like, show me show me the plan. Or he's going to make a couple calls say, hey, who can I bring in? And once he sits down and evaluates everything, he'll have – and he's a very bright, business savvy player. He's going to make the best decision for him. Yeah, and I'm cool with that. Like I think it's a wise thing to do. I actually said yesterday I was sitting around with some of my buddies, um, 
And they asked me, and we went through the headache of like picking all the places and kind of mapping out, like you know, New Orleans. If you put it with like you know <laughs> Anthony Davis, although he wouldn't want to live in New Orleans. And I said, you know what? At the end of the day, I honest to God, I wouldn't be surprised if he winds back in Cleveland. If he winds up right back in Cleveland, like I, I could see a scenario. There are a lot of attractive destinations, but dude, home is hard. Like I asked my boys the other day about something. I said, hey, look, if push came to shove and Daddy had to go, like, and they were like, we'd have to leave. <laughs> Would I have to leave my friends? Right. And I was like, yeah. And now three years ago, when it was time for us to go to Cleveland. They were younger and they were like, yeah, let's go. Right. And with that three year difference this time, they're like, no, hell no. We want to stay home. So it's a big, it's a big thing. It's a big deal. All right. Next up. Let me hear your uh, overreaction or a proper reaction to this line. LeBron James will sign with the Lakers. Overreaction. <laughs> Overreaction. I look the Lake, the Lakers, the Lakers aren't the Lakers. ready to win unless he goes him and Paul George. Right. And they're, they're still might not be ready to win. Like the young pieces, you don't win in the NBA with young pieces like that. I think it's fascinating how the, uh, Vegas odds have fluctuated in the last two weeks alone. Like yeah. since the NBA final started, because initially there was the Cavs were the favorite. Then the Sixers somehow came into play. Like when the Colangelo news first broke, then it was the Rockets were the favorite. Now we're seeing the Lakers as the favorite odds wise. We look at them as a two to one favorite, uh, for him to go there. I think this is, I don't think anybody has a clue. No clue. But it is interesting because Vegas does have those insider like nuggets that they get. Yeah. They usually have these kind of close, but because you've seen so many different teams floated out there, like I would put the Knicks at a longer than 21 long shot. Yeah. The Knicks, I thought, I thought they had like last week, they the, had Miami in there too. I, and I would put the Heat as a similar or better odds than the Knicks because he's going to go, they're at 25 he, to one. So they're it, just behind them. that Celtics is surprising to me The 10 to one with the Celtics. That's a, that's a there surprise. Been some conspiracy theories about that too, saying, Hey, maybe he works it out where he does go to Boston. I Gordon think it's crazy to go to the Western conference just because even if you go to Houston, you still have to go through the Warriors to get to the finals. At least if you stay in Eastern conference, you know, you're going to be in Easter in the finals, no matter what, if you're the Cavs, would you give up? I mean, would you sign and trade LeBron for Gordon Hayward, Terry Rozier? And a package of something else. If you didn't say Jalen, say Jalen Brown, Gordon Hayward, play with all those young, you get to play with those young J- guys, or are you losing them? No, you're losing LeBron. Yep. But if you're, the, let's ask if you're the Celtics. Okay. Forget the Cavs. The yep. Cavs are going to lose them. So if you're the right. Celtics, yep. Would you sign and trade? You had to give up Jalen and Gordon Hayward and Terry Rozier to get LeBron. No, I'm not saying that the money works or anything like that. I'm just asking, would you give those no. pieces up for LeBron? No, I would. I would say if you could give up Gordon Hayward and maybe some future picks. Yeah. I wouldn't part. Maybe Terry Rozier, I'd throw in. Terry Rozier, Gordon Hayward. You're not giving up Jalen. All right, Jalen Brown. No, not Tatum. Not Tatum. But uh, let's say you had to give up one of those pieces. You give up? Would you give up Jalen, Terry Rozier, and a pick for LeBron? Yeah, I think I would. Easy, right? That's an easy one. I think that's an easy one. All right, but it's like these are the type of hypotheticals that go out there, and they're very like I think a lot of teams are saying, "What can we do to land them? Like, what are those pieces?" And it's going to be an interesting uh, month for sure. Uh, All right, here's one. Off the field distractions will finally hurt the Patriots. This is kind of nuts because I would have always defended the Patriots dynasty, said, you know what? They've lived through Spygate. They've lived through Deflategate. They've had their issues. They, they somehow survived. This is the first time I think this is the proper reaction. And I think they're beginning more and more serious when you look at the Gronk trade rumors. Yeah. When you look at Gronk's retirement rumors. And now, more importantly, you've got Julian Edelman suspended for four games uh, because of the PED's uh, violation. So I would say this is a proper reaction to think that they could finally catch up with the Pats. Um, I think it's a bit of an overreaction, but in today's day and age, like it's proper uh, because what's going to happen now is does Julian Edelman work with Tom Brady's guy Alex Guerrero? Yes. So what's going to happen now is now they're going to dig all into that. 
they're going to start getting deeper. Someone right now is on a deep dive. Yeah. Like they're digging all into this stuff and they're going to, someone is going to bring stuff to light in a few months from now. Yep. It's deeper than this and it's continued to happen. So I, I tend to agree with you. I think both guys. So there was video in April when Julian Edelman was rehabbing his ACL and this Alex Guerrero, Brady's guy. Is working on his leg and, he, and he's raving about it. He's like, this guy's like Mr. Miyagi from Karate Kid, like a miracle worker. Right. Everybody's raved about his medical techniques. Tom Brady's raved about him. I don't think Bill Belichick kicked him out of the locker room and didn't give it much thought. Like, I think this was a very, like, he considered it, said, Hey, do yeah. I have any other options? And ultimately he's like, No, maybe there was more to this. Like, he's like, Hey, this is, this guy is out there with a TB12 method. And I think, Brady is the lead recruiter for this kind of cult-like following that Alex Guerrero has. I'll say this. When it comes to medicine, sometimes if it's too good to be true, it's too good. And that Reed. would be my my biggest worry. If I'm Tom Brady and this is your best friend and you've started and you've been in bed with him and business with him, you better make sure he's clean. And a lot of times guys just don't know right. because they're not up to speed on the cutting-edge medical techniques that might be towing the line of is it legal or is it not. So I'm with you. I think this is, I think that's a proper reaction. And I think it's only to get more interesting as people do that deep dive in yep. Alex Guerrero. 100%. And the, uh, and the TV 12 stuff. All right. Picks and props. We are crushing it on our picks and props. If only we were doing this with real money. <laughs> uh, Debo and Hannah still hanging around. Debo's hanging around, keeping it respectable. Hannah, we'll just say she, she sounds great on her picks. Sounds very, <laughs> but they're just not going so well. We'll go with that. But Debo, what do we got now? Cause we're getting a little light with sports. Yeah, so it's officially summertime now. NBA, NHL over. We're eventually going to pick U.S. Open, a little bit of World Cup. Right now I'm going random because I'm sick of Raja winning. So the pick today is Cardinals minus one and a half versus the Padres. Who do you have? Mm. Well, who's on the who's on the bump for the cards today? We got Jack Flaherty. We got Jack favorite. Flaherty. All right, on a roll lately too. Um, I'm going to miles for the where's pies. the game? Where's the game? Where's the game? In St. Louis. In St. Louis. I'm going to take, I'm going to take the cards, man. Plus with the points. Yeah. Jake, Jack Flaherty's got a Did nice cover. He's got a, a pretty good, uh, uh, repertoire to work with. Yeah. A nice slider, uh, a backdoor slider with a nice change piece. Yeah. Oh, yeah, nice, word. Uh, 12, six curveball. What's his whip right now? Velo, that's pretty strong. It's, it's so I'm going to say we should have David Sampson here. <laughs> That'd be great. Yes. I'll take the Carlins dude just because they're the better team and they're playing at home. But I, I think Debo's just trying to get those standings uh, rearranged a little bit so he can get in the top. So petty. All right, yeah, what about and, and I'm going to do exactly that by picking the Padres and winning. There you go. So the prop here. We saw Alexander Ovechkin earlier. This is an ode to him. He did that keg stand with the fans outside of Nationals Park. At your current age, at your current state, how long could you do a keg stand? I have the over-under set. At 13 seconds, it's something that I asked around the office this morning. What's a fair number to set it at? We determined 13 seconds. That, was it 13 because we're both over 40 or right. 13 is like a good number? Right. Is that a good or both bad? Both of those were factors. All right. Yeah, then I'm over for sure. You're over? Bro, I drink, bro. <laughs> like, listen, <laughs> listen. I'm, I'm not making no bones well, about have you this. Ever, have I you, get it in. Yes, drinking competitions. Done keg stands, like we were on bars in college, like with the pitchers, knocking them down, winning drinking competitions. I'm over 13, damn it. Gene, I'll let like your boy. 
I would like to think I could go over. Yeah. But I'd be a little nervous. I'm really? more of a, I'm more of a, like a wine guy at dinner or, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Or sit this cocktail. One out. Yeah. Sit I would one sit one this one out. one out. I think the last cake stand I did was on my visit to Michigan. I didn't even do that many in college. I was always a little bit more conservative with like, Hey, I don't want to get too nuts. Like I want to be in control. Although there were a couple nights, but on those nights I wasn't doing cake stands. Uh, yeah. Gosh, what beer are we throwing in there? Honest to God. Nah, dog, you're going basic cable. You're doing keg stands, man. You're going like a Bud Light or something like that. Like, what do you want? What do you want to drink? I'm not Innis? saying craft beer. I'm saying. Uh, no craft beer. No IPAs going? on the keg stand. No. No, I, you know what? I probably in this, in my state now, like, cause I don't drink right, like heavy. I might have like, to your point, a glass of wine or a scotch. I, I'd be right around 13, but like in my day, come on, bro. Disrespectful Penn State. Alright, we might have to get, we might FIU is getting disrespectful. Like, I don't like this. Like, this is a broader topic right now. Like, Florida State, okay, you guys are known for hang. yours. Penn State, I've been up in Happy Valley. Like, they get it in. Don't sleep on small school Sweetwater FIU. Alright. Alright, we didn't have class on Fridays when I was there. And Boston, that city knows how to play. Yeah, I mean, yeah, yes, correct. Alright, we might have to do that as a uh, team building, pod building, <laughs> uh, exercise. We might have to do that. Uh, we'll make sure we have a referee and official shot clock for that one. Time now for your news in 90. The NBA draft is 10 days away, and the holders of the number one overall pick, the Phoenix Suns, are reportedly interested in acquiring another pick in the top 10. The potential target, Oklahoma freshman sensation Trey Young, who Phoenix wants to bring in for dinner and a workout. It wouldn't be an NBA offseason without Kevin Love trade rumors. The Cavaliers forward says that he expects the conversations at this point, but also says, quote, obviously, I'd love to play with LeBron the rest of my career, but that will be a choice that he makes. Love was acquired in the summer of 2014, a month after James rejoined Cleveland. And there's a triple crown controversy. It's inevitable these days. Long shot restoring hope is being questioned by competitors for being used as a blocker of sorts for crown winner Justify. Both horses are trained by Bob Batford and share the same stable. That was your news in 90. Guys, did you watch that? I did. What do you I, think? I, did you? I thought the same thing. I did. No way. When, no, when they, when both of those horses were out to the lead and Justify was on the inside rail and, um, and Restoring Hope was on the outside. Yep. I was like, Jesus, any horse that wants to make a run at that is going to have to go like two horses removed to get to it. It looked like they were teaming. It looked like a NASCAR event where you got your, yeah, where you're you jogging. Yeah, absolutely. I thought it was totally normal. Like I think you see that happen all the time and I didn't think it was as sinister as thinking, all right, Baffert owns that horse as well. So he's going to try to help his horse. Yeah. I was more bothered by the fact that they held out Audible, who was one of his biggest challengers, didn't race in that one. So I think. There is a little bit of uh, luster lost right. in this Triple Crown because of some of those issues. But ultimately, he's still going to get paid a lot of money to do his thing. Yeah, yeah, for, uh, yeah. yeah. Exactly. However long he can go, <laughs> and he's going to make a boatload of money doing that. All right, let's move on. Uh, so the NHL Stanley Cup Final was also determined right. as the Washington Capitals finally get a lot of playoff angst and playoff failure. They put it behind them. They're able to get that uh, off their uh, their monkey off their back yep. after losing game one. They roll off four in a row, um, come back from deficits in all four series from starting in Columbus in the first round when they actually had three overtime games or maybe four. It was a bunch. They were crazy finishes for them. Uh, I thought it was really cool to watch Ovi um, get that. And you could hear, like, you could literally, when you heard him talk in the postgame pressers, you can sense like this just huge weight lifted off his shoulders. And it's pretty cool to see a guy who would, when people are criticizing you and they're nitpicking because you're considered one of the all-time greats or at least the all-time greats of this generation, like now you at least have that to be able like, all right, you guys say it's been a lot more factors than just me being somebody who can 
you know, close in the playoff. Yeah, dude, you just stamped your passport. Like you just got val you validated. And what confirms like like cheering for them and pulling for it is one thing. And then you get confirmation when you see him in the videos that we showed before yeah. and how like just the pure joy as he's running around Washington, like celebrating with anybody who will celebrate with him. Um, it, it may, it makes you feel like you made the right decision uh, for pulling for him in the first place because he's not, he doesn't seem to be one of those. You know, why I hate pulling for the pretentious athlete. Yeah. Like the dude who's lost like touch with reality and where he came from. And now he's this like, like movie star that like this dude is like, a, a people's person. There's one in his own town. Cause I feel like Bryce Harper is like that. Yeah. He's a guy who's always had everything spoon fed to him. He, you know, went pro as early as yeah. he possibly could. I think he's more worried about some, a lot of athletes are more worried about being celebrities and superstars than they are about actually winning. And I would not put Ovi in that category. Look at that. He's in oh, a fountain rolling all over. around. Like I'm. He actually slept with the, uh, the, the Stanley Cup in his bed, like, you know, like, like, like spooning it. Yes. He was like literally spooning it. He snuggled with the trophy. Cup. They're drinking out of it. Uh, so congrats to Ovi for getting yeah. that. Pretty fun. Well to done. Watch. All right. This is our brand new segment. Okay. People came up with this. I think this is a fantastic idea. I love it. Summer months are a little bit slow in the landscape of sports, so we're going to do a little summer reading. I once proposed a uh, summer book club on one of the shows I did. <laughs> got shut down after one book. Uh, Shoe Dog, shout out to Phil Knight, was a really good right. book. Positive reviews on that. But we're going to do a little summer reading session. Goodness sure gracious. You read to your kids a lot before they go to bed. You're going to read to us right now a couple experts excerpts of the book Seven Seconds or Less by Jack McCallum. Uh, where he followed the 2006 Phoenix Suns, and uh, you were prominently featured al- among many of these yeah. pages. So I'd like <laughs> to hear from you. We're going to do a little bit of uh, some recaps from okay. this book. So what do you have coming first? All right. First of all, it's not in my contract. It says i got to be reading. All right. So I <laughs> talked to Port or somebody about that. But um, all right. So the main this is from the main character's chapter. Yep. Roger Bell, number 19, shooting guard. Newcomer to the team, but instantly part of the in crowd. Wow. Buddies with Nash from time together in Dallas. Has combustible temper, but good guy. Became postseason folk hero. Oh, well, look <laughs> at that. This is, this sounds really like, and knowing you just for like, you know, six months or are we, we working together, yep. like everything we've heard about you, like I could have told you all these recaps too. Like your boys with Nash. We already learned that because he was our guest. We've already learned about your combustible temper from the time, well, Correct. also from your career, but also the time with the youth basketball that yes. we've had. And uh the post you're becoming not only a postseason, you're a podcast folk hero right now. Like, oh word? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Like for sure. Like now we just gotta get more mainstream instead of folk hero. Like, there we go. We can we then can we'll be crushing. We can it. be like caped heroes, you and I. We can actually be um so I backstory here. Jack McCullum was dropped in our lap as in terms of the team. Like the, and he was introduced as a guy that was gonna do a book. And we were very leery of Jack Heck at first yeah. because like you're you know, sensitive information. But as time went on, he's there the whole season, coming and going. He just becomes a fixture like a regular dude on our team. So all like walls go down and he's really privy to a, like a lot of information that some of us would rather him probably not be privy to. Yeah. Um, and it got, it got da- not dangerous in like a bad way, but like, you know, he got more information about our families and stuff like that. And you probably would have wanted him to have otherwise, which would terrify me being, a, and I think it should terrify every uh professional athlete oh, yeah. because they're always just codes that you don't break. You don't talk about certain Look, things. And especially with media, like if there's a media session, guys put up their antennas, they sure. put their filters and they don't talk, which like, would terrify me if guys were talking because they forgot the guy was there. Right. You're talking junk about a other teammate or a coach <laughs> or like, you know, you never know. And he's sitting right there. It's like, whatever. All right. Um, all right. So this is the second excerpt, uh, the backstory in the interest of full disclosure, I did two things that I wouldn't normally do as a journalist. I got Nash to autograph a jersey for charity auction and Rajah Bell to autograph 
for my sister and a Raja Bell autograph for my sister in law. She thinks he's hot. <laughs> now, do you remember the sister in law? I don't. Right, so you were married at the time, right? Yeah, you've been right. married throughout your whole yes. career. So you obviously being the good husband and father that you are, you didn't notice. You were like, Hey, I'm good. No, I don't even yeah. think she was there. I'd sign a lot of autographs. Like <laughs> right. my wife used to hate um she used to hate being at like team functions and stuff like that because I get a lot of that. Like yeah. girls coming up and want to take autographs and pictures. My wife used to be seething for the first couple of years of our marriage. And then she became like a champ. Like she yeah. was like, cool. And you, I just got to do what I got to do. And then, right. you know, right. Um, yeah. So that's the backstory. Look at that. That was a good one. Look, I, you had no problem reading that line yeah. right there. Uh, um, <laughs> all right. All right. This Not from chapter one, chapter one, the second season, Roger Bell had his history with Bryant too. Bell first gained a small measure of fame in the NBA when, as a member of the Philadelphia 76ers, he helped limit Bryant to 7 of 22 shooting in Game 1 of the 2001 NBA Finals. Early in the season, Bryant, reacting to what he considered Bell's over-aggressiveness, elbowed Bell in the mouth and shoved him. Don't remember that, Jack. Uh, drawing a technical foul. Later in the season, on April 7th, with two weeks remaining in the regular season, Bryant had come to the U.S. Airways and scored 51 against the Suns, the majority of them on Bell with his, as his defender. You remember that game? I, yeah, I remember a lot of, <laughs> I remember a lot of buckets getting dropped on me. <laughs> Not the game specifically, but a lot right. of buckets dropped on me by Kobe being Bryant. Right. We don't have to remember the 51 point. Let's remember the 7 <laughs> of 22 shooting game from the 01 finals. That's one we'll do too. All right. So that's, that's just through chapter one. We're going to get. Oh, wow. So we're, this is going to be a, tr- yeah, this is okay. There's going to be a, some dirt dropped in this one every, every Monday. Monday. It's going to be summer reading with Raja. I think that's going to be a new favorite segment. All right. <laughs> Let's do some uh, socially relevant. Socially relevant. It was out there this weekend, you may ask. It was socially relevant. Something went viral. Uh, Russell Westbrook. So he was rapping No Vaseline on Instagram the day after his mm. boy, KD, won his second title after leaving OKC. Uh, give me some sound on that, Debo. <laughs> Used to be hard, now you just went softer. You was down with the AK. And now I see you on a video with Mr. Light. Looking like straight bulls off. I saw it coming. That's why I went so low. Petty? Uh, Petty? Uh, it it's not, that uh, hatchet is not buried. That's not buried. No, he that's. tried to mm, play it off and was like, I was just rapping. No. It's not a good look for you though, uh, Russ. No. Not, not. Just let it go, bro. Let it go. He's just talking trash on Instagram. Just let but it go. it is a bad look. Uh, but I think at least he's doing it in a fun way. Yeah, I mean, I appreciate it. <laughs> but it's just not, it looks a right. little, a little petty, a little petty. No love lost between those two. All right, let's finish up some, uh, some topics, Debo. Topics. So Wiz Khalifa says he's spending a lot of time with Le'Veon Bell, Steelers star, in the rap studio, which means one of two things. Le'Veon Bell's getting another suspension or we're getting a rap collab between the two. Check out what Bell has done in the past in the rap game without Wiz. I, I, I got them teams back on the scene. I'm keeping them coming like I'm a machine. Can never be finished just like a machine. I got all these diamonds. I'm making them sing. I ride for my team. Like, what do you mean? I got these jewels and I feel like a king. I'm keeping them coming. They acting like fiends. I'm paying this picture. Let's put them on the, uh, the Cole Beasley scale. Where do we rank Le'Veon? Um, he said machine like 72 times. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> Easy <one to> <laughs> machine. He's he got the green. Such a new thing. Like I get all guys have always wanted to be rappers, but I feel like the access to studios, to garage band oh. rappers is greater than it's ever been. So they're able to do this, which I think is great. But you set yourself out there to get crushed if you're no good. Yeah, and crush, I'm, him. Like, Why crush him. Why crush him? Yeah, cr- oh, crush right? him. I think he's okay. He's but I think I... <laughs> he was trash. Hannah, well done. Way to come in this strong one. On there. Music video was also trash. As a former athlete rapper myself, I can appreciate you putting yourself out there on that one. Yeah, whatever. 
If the money's long enough, you get somebody to produce. I'm gonna, I want to do a rap video. Let's do it. Me and you, we're gonna start a GoFundMe, and we'll do a rap video. Which we just did one idea. We should do a show open where we do a rap video. A rap video. Yeah. We could, dude. I tell you what, I I I got a better verse than that. Yeah. No, y'all would look better than that too. Can I uh, can I be your ghostwriter? Are you guys lyrics? (laughs) All right. What's up? Um. So, what better way to celebrate your third NBA title than? Googling yourself. That's exactly what Clay Thompson did post-game during uh, after game four. Instead of talking to journalists, he was on his phone looking at Google. And it already had updated saying that he was a three-time NBA champion. I have to ask you guys, do you ever or did you ever Google yourself? Um, I have Googled myself. Um, you got to be special kind of dude to do it like right after you win. Like, that's what <laughs> oh, you're that's what you're doing. What kind of special? The only excuse I would give him yeah. is if you're looking for a picture that you wanted to post on Instagram. <laughs> the only way, like if you were looking for an action photo from game four, right. you were shooting and you wanted to post that or a celebration picture. Otherwise, like why? Why in this I, moment are you doing that? I don't know. I think we all have. I think yeah. we obviously all have. I've done it a lot for this podcast, trying to find <laughs> images and stuff, like just out there photos that are out there. But in that moment, I guess that's 2018 right there in a nutshell. Boom. It's, I mean, it's ridiculous. It's odd. But there's so many other things that I would be wanting to do in that moment rather than Google myself. But <laughs> shout out, Clay. I mean, that is pretty cool. You Google yourself as a three-time champion. That's something right. I'll never know. Uh, the rest of the Warriors definitely were doing something different, including Swaggy P. The team as a whole were celebrating with $400,000 worth of champagne. Nick Young with a little bit or a lot of bit of Hennessy. Um, but he has an all-time quote saying, I went from getting snitched on to putting a ring on, which ultimately just begs the question, what happened to Iggy Azalea and what happened to D'Angelo Russell? Seriously. None of them exist in a world right. without Swaggy, bro. <laughs> and Swaggy is now a champ. I see you, Swag. Look at that. Hey, look, that cat's just having a good time. I got to sit in front of his parents at a Laker game once. I was there to visit Mike D'Antoni, and they are like, they're like a, a, an older version of Swaggy. No, they're they're fantastic people fun. to sit around fun, having a good time, loving life. Do you want to be the no shirt guy? Because that already was J.R. Smith in Cleveland. I don't know if you want to be the second. No you want to be the original, maybe. Exactly. But yeah. So now that you can't be that, then you look like you're following his footsteps. But I think it is classic the way things come full circle, and he's out there from getting snitched on to putting the ring on. Like that's and obviously it's something that still haunts him some. So you wonder how if he ever got over it. Sure. Girl Iggy. Um you know what gets lost in all of this stuff because, I mean, because he is a character? He's a hell of a player. Yeah. Like seriously, and he's young when he was in Washington and you had to play him and guard him like a hell of a one on one individual score. A little older now, but he's a heck of Swaggy's a heck of a player. Yep. Gave a shout out to his big bro in quotes, J.R. Smith and J.R. Smith had a very affectionate post congratulating Swaggy P. So speaking of come ups, Ricky Fowler we remember the old Ricky Fowler, the single Ricky Fowler. Not anymore. Unfortunately, we won't get to see more of this. Fortunately for him, the new Ricky Fowler includes being engaged as he popped the question to Allison Stokey the weekend before the U.S. Open. Positive vibes ahead of Shinnecock. And the photographer for this one, arch nemesis of the podcast, Justin Thomas. Ah, uh, do we have any other pictures? I can't see her. Like, do we have any? <laughs> Dude, I can't see her so well. In so one, she actually was a viral sensation about seven or eight years ago. She was a pole vaulter oh, and had I... a pre-race uh, or pre-jump routine that she did where it went viral for a reason. Like, and she's 
Like they got set up and they've like never looked back. Like, hey, Rick, dating about a year and a half. Good for you, homeboy. Why, why? Like you got a lot of money. You can hire a photographer. You don't have just Justin Thomas yeah, do it just, out there with no, a cell phone. No, it's fun to have a friend do it. You've got to have a friend do it. It's yeah, but better. isn't that a moment? Like, why is he there? Isn't this a moment where you're supposed to be like, or do you think they reenacted the actual proposal? No, that looked like that. If they reenacted it, I probably would have been better than that, right? <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> I just thought it was like, why is JT there? I get they're all boys and stuff, but isn't that something you want to do with, like in an intimate setting where nobody? Else is around. Yeah, I don't know. now I need I to bet go your romantic side coming out again. Yes, is exactly. this <laughs> All right, all right, we got one more, Debo. Yeah, waste his time, waste her time. Twenty eighteen, Danny. That's the motto, right? Yeah. Um. <laughs> so, so Danny Amendola, Olivia Culpo, back together. But apparently, this isn't a recent development, Hannah. Yeah, this is old news, guys. I've been telling you this for months. Literally, they were the seen together now. months ago in Manhattan Beach. I have my sources. Whoa. Okay. Right there. And with the scoop. News right here. Why'd you keep that under wraps the whole time? Uh, we could have been breaking deal. news. <laughs> it's not a big deal. Um, Why? Because neither of them are that big of stars or just because it's not that big no, of a deal? No, she's, I think she's arguably a bigger star than he is. I just think it had right. to happen. They had to get back together at some point. I don't know if it's going to last all season. I wouldn't put my money on it. <laughs> all right. Well, let's keep them out. See if you see them in Miami out in South Beach. Okay. There we the, go. Uh, the Miami Dolphins now. All right. That's a wrap for us. Raja Solo Wednesday. What? Be here for the pod. It's so- rocking solo, rocking the mic. God bless. Let's uh, do it. I'll be back on Friday as I'm headed up to the U.S. Open up in Shinnecock. So thanks for checking us out. Hope Hit them straight. Have a fantastic week, and uh, we'll see you then.